Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I'm Angie Bauman, and this is episode 129, Victorious Souls. And joining me today is my ministry friend, Danielle Burnock. Every once in a while, someone will say to me about my teaching, it feels like you're telling my story. Well, friend, that's how I feel when I listen to Danielle share pieces of her journey through emotional neglect and small and large traumas that created in her an anticipation of rejection and an inability to feel God's love in her life. Danielle looked for love in a lot of places, and some of those places were pretty destructive. But she's a lot different now. She doesn't depend on an artificial high to get her through. She depends on the ever-present, everlasting love of God to provide and protect and shine light on even the darkest, most painful places of her heart. I love this verse that she mentioned, and I chose it for our theme today because it has a certain non-negotiable quality in it that I'm drawn to. It's John 6:37, the second part of the verse. Hear it now in the NIV. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. I don't use the word never very often. I guess I don't think I know enough details to be that certain of much of anything, but I'm glad the Bible uses it here. I'm grateful to know that God knows my heart and how it does want to come to Him for the things that I need, and that even when I misstep or try to run my own life, He will never be through with me. I invite you to lean in and glean from Danielle's story. In her voice, I believe you'll hear a confidence in and a passion for the God who has done mighty things in her heart. Let's listen in. Hello, Steady On community, and welcome into this podcast episode. I'm Angie Bauman, and with me today is my ministry friend, Danielle Burnock. Danielle, welcome to the Steady On community. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this chat. I'm excited too. And I think part of the reason that I'm excited is because unfortunately, but fortunately we're kindred spirits in that we have just, uh, we have trauma and deep pain in our background, but we have learned, we have been invited. We've accepted the invitation for God to sort of, I think I, these are my words, draw that out of us in a way that now it can be used to shed light, I think, in places that the enemy would very much prefer that we kept dark, right? Right. Yeah. So would you share with us just a little bit about your background? What do you feel comfortable sharing about some of your story and the trauma that you experienced that made walking in his abundance or in his light difficult for you? Oh, I had a big pile. Yeah. (laughs) A big pile that I didn't realize was there because it was just my life. When I was growing up, trauma was something that happened with people in war and um, tsunamis and you know big humongous things like that. So the things that happened in my life, I just dismissed them as that was my life. <laughs> it wasn't really until I wrote my first book and started dealing with things that I got a clearer vision of how pervasive the trauma was in my life. I had dealt with a lot of the things because I was emotionally miserable. (laughs) I was mentally miserable. So I knew something was wrong. And I was aware of many things that had happened that I didn't like were painful, but I dismissed them as either my fault or just my life. Like when I was six years old, I was shamed and humiliated in front of my, my first grade class by my teacher. And in sixth grade, I was humiliated in front of the entire school. 
And when I was about 11 years old, I was rejected and humiliated in front of the entire church. And in there also, I had bullies and also something that's called childhood emotional neglect, which is something a lot of people are unfamiliar with. And on top of that, I had numerous deaths that occurred while I was growing up. So that packaged it all really small, a little sardine can for you, because all of those have their own story. But for any of those who don't understand what emotional neglect is, it is every child has a certain amount of emotional nurture they need to function in a healthy emotional way. These are not words that were known when I was growing up. My parents had no clue of these kind of terms. Society wasn't aware of them back then. And I learned, when I learned the term, that there are multiple ways that a child can be emotionally neglected. It's not about physical neglect, you know, having food, clothes, and all that stuff. It's completely different. Every child has different needs. Some need more, some need less. I'm a very sensitive person, so I needed a lot. I didn't get what I needed. And this doesn't mean the parents had to be terrible. Some parents are terrible. And some of the emotional neglect comes at the hands of narcissists and psychopaths and things like that. But the main way that most people are emotionally neglected is by well-meaning parents who were emotionally neglected themselves. Meaning they did not have to give what I needed to receive. So that's not a fault of theirs per se. And it's another reason why people don't want to own the truth of that because they feel like they're throwing their parents under the bus. No, I had good parents. They loved me. They this, they that. I'm not saying your parents were terrible. My parents were not terrible. My parents had suffered trauma themselves, had no clue that it was trauma, had no idea about dealing with that. My mom lost her dad when she was seven. And when her mom got remarried, the stepdad wanted nothing to do with her. When my dad got married, he was 11 years older than my mom. He had already lost his sister and his mother and his father. So, and they both went through the Great Depression. They were work hard, head down, suck it up and get over it. Very authoritarian, which was extremely common during that time. But just because it's common doesn't make it right. And that's where people get tripped up. Well, everybody does. And they did their best. Well, that may all be good and true. But do you have the scars in your life? Do you have emotional wounds in your life? Do you have problems in all your relationships because your attachment is messed up, your trust issues are broken, and other byproducts of trauma? So emotional neglect is a really big thing that many, many people are unaware of. So that's why I try and focus on that one, because it was really the undercurrent that made the trauma situations that happened to me, the experiences that I experienced, the reason that they traumatized me was because of that undercurrent most of the time. Because when a child grows up and they're, they know they're loved, they know they're strong, you can have a bully yelling in your face and you could respond by punching them. I'm not, I'm not gonna believe you. But when I had the bully yelling at me, telling me that my parents didn't love me and they didn't want me. And that's why they had named me Diane. So that every time that my parents said my name, they were telling me to die, Diane, Diane. And had I believed my parents loved me, I would have thought she was nuts. Because when I was in counseling, my, my counselor said, well, why did you believe her? I was like, wow, never entered my mind to not, not believe. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And see, these are the little hidden things I try to bring to light because these are the things people dismiss, Mm -hmm. but you have to ask why, why did you believe that? Why did it go that way? Why are you responding in that? Why, why is it happening in that way? We have to get down to the bottom of what's going on. It's the only way that we ever get free from all of this stuff. So that's why my name is Danielle in 1988. I legally changed my first name. And that was because my mother suggested after we worked on repairing our relationship. And I told her that story and she cried. Mm. And I was just shocked because I'd never seen her emotionally moved by my pain before. By your pain. Mm-hmm. But she was moved and she suggested me change my name. And I was like, really? I didn't feel like it belonged to me. How do I change my name? But I did. Went through the great big long process and prayed about it. And my name is Danielle, means God is my judge. God told me, I don't have the right to judge me. No one else has a right to judge me. Only he has a right to judge me. And that was all put on Jesus. Mm-hmm. I have no judge. Yeah. I love that. You talked about experiencing some trust issues and you invited us to consider the relational issues that we might have because of, Mm -hmm. you know, things like this in our past. I'm just wondering what did those trust relational issues, how did that, what did that look like in Danielle's life? Well, one of the things I learned that core trauma of my life was the one that happened at church. I I grew up, my parents went to church all the time when I was young. I loved going to church. It was a very, it was a mainline, very strict um, denomination. It was all I knew. It fit right in with my authoritarian parents. (laughs) But then they stopped going to church. I didn't know why. I found out later, but I went and I took the bus. I kept going to church. And I ended up going through all the things to become a member and everything. And then came the Sunday for me to become a member. And I rode the bus that day and I was all excited about it. They marched all of us kids out to the front front row to sit on the front row because they're going to call us all up one by one and give us our little certificate. And now we're a member. Now we belong. And with my emotional neglect, that meant a lot to me. Sure. I was going to be belonging to this place. God was going to be accepting me. I was going to be accepted by God except for they called everyone up there but me and left me on the front row, excluded and refused from membership, sitting on display for everyone to look at that I was rejected. About how old were you then? May I interrupt you? Yeah, just about. 10 or 11. Okay, yeah, okay, go ahead. Yeah, thanks. And I had been baptized and everything. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand anything. I was too young. I disassociated because I didn't remember anything but crying all the way home. And it was painful and I you know, knew that was in my life. It's one of the things I dealt with. And when my husband and I got married, uh, I did an act of forgiveness. We went to that church together just as an act of forgiveness. I forgive you for, you know, hurting me. And so I chose to forgive. And so far as I knew at that time, I was done with that, but I was not, not until I was writing this book and the Lord The Holy Spirit, which was their issue at the church, they had kicked out the old pastor because he was bringing the Holy Spirit in and they didn't want that. The Holy Spirit ushered me to that place that day and he showed me what had happened in my soul, which affected every relationship in my life. Is what happened is there's a scripture that says, we will come to Jesus and anyone who comes to Jesus, he will in no wise cast out. And I don't even know if I knew that scripture as a child, but the Lord showed me that what happened is was an 
inception of the opposite of that is I believe that I came to Jesus and Jesus himself threw me out. And it's like, it's like the Lord opened my eyes and he showed me how from that moment on, because I believed I was rejected by God, I expected rejection from everyone, everywhere I went. And as the Lord opened my eyes to that, it was like, I saw the landscape of my life. My mouth dropped open and I literally gasped when he showed me that because I saw it. I expected it everywhere, sabotaged relationships. I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere with even friends that I were my best friends. And I had best friends that would throw me away because of this reason and that reason. And it just, it sabotaged it everywhere because I expected it. I had this faith going out of expecting people to reject me. And so they either did on the onset or I, it's like I created circumstances or something. I sabotaged those because of that expectation. I didn't trust people, horribly suspicious of everyone because of that fear of rejection. Yeah. I, if for those who listen to this podcast regularly, some of them are shaking their heads right now because out of your mouth is coming things that I say about myself over and over again. It's really interesting how similar our hearts are, Danielle, around this issue, because I have said many times on this show that the one lie that the enemy says to me, and maybe I said it when I was on your show, I don't remember if I did or not, but the one lie the enemy repeats over and over again, and he repeats it because it works. It works a lot. It's a lot less effective now than it ever has been in my life. But his, his mantra in for me to press on the pain point is remember, you'll never belong anywhere. Remember, you'll never belong anywhere. Um, and that is so, that has been so effective in what you're saying in my life is, uh, I just, I, I, I never thought about, about being suspicious, although I don't think you're wrong. I just am like processing that about being suspicious. I just anticipated the rejection and I was hypersensitive to where it was coming from, even from people who, as you said, have done nothing really. Now, I mean, they're human. So, but I mean, but they, they're, it's obvious their intention is to love me. It's mm-hmm. obvious their intention. And yet I'm still waiting for them to decide I'm not worth loving. Yeah. Because we have those attachment issues. Right. I had the, the messy mixed attachment issues. There's the healthy, there's the clingy where it's like, you never want to let go of anyone. People who they break up with someone, and then they're in another relationship immediately simply because they can't be alone. Yeah. And there's those who they're constantly pushing everyone away. And then the mixed one, which I was, was, you know, <laughs> I need you go away. I need you go away. <laughs> you know, which is confusing to people. And it's confusing to your own self. You don't have any idea why you're behaving in this way yeah. until you learn about that. And it's like, yeah. Oh, and, but you can get, be healed of those things. It's yeah. amazing how love heals us. God is love and his love heals us. And he's healed me of these things and of that bullseye. It's like, I have a little book, Love's Manifesto. I give away at my website. I talk about, it took me 34 years to believe the love of God because of that wound. It took him 34 years to convince me that, you know, well, you love me when I'm doing good and you love me when I'm doing the right thing. But when I'm doing wrong or when I, you know, fall into sin or whatever the terminology people want to throw at you, it's like, you know, God's going to get you for that and all those things. And, you know, God loves you, but waiting for that other shoe to drop. It's like, no, I am his beloved. Mm-hmm. I am his period. Beloved. You are his beloved. God yeah. loves you, period. Yeah. We are created in the image and likeness of God. God is love. It makes love is our greatest need because we're created in the image of love. It, it makes sense. It's our greatest need. Yeah. 
And then we get, we hear in church all the time. You got to love God. You got to love God. You got to love God. You got to love one another. You got to love your enemies. You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to. And you're like freaking out because you can't. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, we need what it says in first John four. God loved us first. Mm-hmm. This is love. Yeah. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. That's the message of the gospel. God loves you. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah. Not God loves you. Now you need to behave this way. Right. No, it's God loves you. What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that's up to between God and them, their relationship. mm -hmm. I can introduce them. God loves you here. Go talk to them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So I, that's where I want to go because the person listening that, that hears the confidence and the joy and the peace in your voice, as you tell your story, um, wants to know, I think, and I want to know that that child that was so wounded on the pew at church, you know, that, that was before her school, um, humiliated, that struggled to trust people that was suspicious, even in solid relationships, where help us close the gap. What kinds of things begin to happen in you at, to, to, to transform you, I guess, um, to bring redemption to that heart that now it has become the heart that we are witnessing today in this story. I think I'll point to two things, two things. The first one is I had it stuck in my heart as a teenager when I was stuck in my pain and doing drugs and all kinds of other things, trying to prove God didn't exist because I was so angry with him because I felt like he killed my family. You know, I'd lost my grandmother two years, two months later, I lost my dad. Four years later, I lost my brother. And I had to go to California. I had this thing. I don't know if it was Led Zeppelin, that song, got going to California with an aching in my heart (laughs) or, but uh, my eldest brother had gone there. And after he came back, I had to go and it didn't make any sense. It was just like a burr got stuck on your clothes. And so I tried to go out there, tried to go out there and things fell through. I mean, even I put an ad in the paper and someone met up with me and I had to call an ambulance to have them taken away because they were not right in the head. And I was going to go by myself. And the Lord brought someone in my life to go with me. And I went on this trip and she brought a Bible with her. So I brought a Bible with me. Why not? So we're getting high and drinking and reading the Bible while we're driving. (laughs) And I'm keeping a journal because, you know, I'm going on this cool trip. I'm so glad I did that I wouldn't have remembered. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, I'm writing in here and I'm like starting to talk to God in there because it's like, I'm scared. And it was the time when we didn't have cell phones or anything. Two girls going out to California and back. We were gone six weeks. Oh my word. The Lord pursued me the whole way out there and back. I talk about that. I call him the pursuer. He pursued me. I mean, I was not behaving in any right way, which is funny because my notes like, oh, because we're being good. I read my notes and I'm like, are you out of your mind? (laughs) (laughs) You've been drinking for 16 hours, driving the wrong way on the road in the middle of the night, pulled over by a police officer, escorted to go sleep here, and you think you're doing the right thing. That's the grace of God at work because he knew how messed up I was. Mm -hmm. He knew I was aiming in his direction, you know, (laughs) trying in my extremely messed up way because he knows our heart. Yeah. He, He knew He knows when we're wounded or when we're rebellious, he knows the difference. And he chased me all the way there and he caught me 
in the front seat of my car in a rest area between Minnesota and Wisconsin. I woke up this one morning and I just knew I was not all by myself. I knew Cheryl was in the back seat sleeping, but still I, I just knew I wasn't alone. And I cried out to the Lord then, but I had so much fear of God, fear, terror of him that I was afraid he's going to kill me. <laughs> But then he didn't, so I was surprised. So that was the beginning, that first thing. It gave me hope because I came back and he didn't kill me, so I had hope. So then well, I started- Can I interrupt you? What, yeah. because, of, because of some of the choices you thought he would kill you? Like I- Because God was mean and God you, was you harsh just, yeah. and God was, he's going to get you for that. And okay. you, yeah. you know, everything was a sin. And yeah. if you don't, you know, pray and ask forgiveness before, you know, mm -hmm. you die, you know, you did something mm -hmm. wrong and you die, then you're going to hell yeah. and everything was going to send you to hell. Yeah. And so he was just very, very harsh. He was- so he, he wants a, to catch up with you too. He was a big, bad wolf. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just wanted you to expand on that because I think a lot of times, even in, you know, even as we mature, we still have maybe not to that degree, right. But we still have this idea that we can do it wrong and lose the love that we can do it wrong and lose the love. Go ahead with your story though. I'm, I'm very, well, that very was interested. the beginning. That was the beginning. <laughs> so that's the first thing. The second thing skip forward is my husband. The Lord has reminded me. I didn't remember until he reminded me that as a child, because I can like see myself doing it, it's so bizarre for him to bring this memory back that I stood in the closet as a child and asked God to give me a husband who loved him. Have no idea when that occurred, had this little memory that the Lord brought back because I'm like, why'd you do this? Because God brought my husband into my life. He paired us in a very supernatural way, very awkward story very hilarious also. <laughs> and he put us together. And my husband was the first person that I experienced unconditional love. Okay. I had never tasted unconditional love until then. And tasting that changed me, mm -hmm. knowing that that existed. It was real. And he, he's loved me. And I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, and when I was pregnant, both times it was my hormones turned me into a different person. And with the trauma in my life, my first pregnancy, we weren't going to have kids either. We had decided we're not having kids between the drugs we did and the trauma in my life. I wanted nothing to do with that. I didn't want to mess anyone up. Plus the doctors told both of us we couldn't have kids. So we were just not planning on that. And we got married in February. I got pregnant in March and had my daughter in December of our first year of marriage. So newly married, traumatized, 22 years old. I'm an emotional basket case from the hormones. And I'd be, you know, just sitting on the bathroom floor, just crying. Just, I, someone went to the, the fast food place to get something and they didn't get what I wanted or I, something like that. And I just went into an absolute meltdown on the floor of the bathroom. My best friend left me because they could not deal with me. And uh, my husband, I, I've told him over and over, you deserve a medal for staying with me. Because I looked at who I was through that. And he just loved me through that. And I, it's still, I still look back at it. And that is such a gift. That's the gift of the God, God kind of love. It exists. And God loves us all the time. I mean, that was back in 1980 when I, had my daughter. It wasn't until 2012 that he got through and I believed the love of God. That's how long that took. 
And that's why I want to help people know that they're loved. Maybe I can help shorten that just a little bit. Not that it, it doesn't matter to God how long it takes because he will keep after us. He will keep convincing us how long it takes. It doesn't matter. He'll do it till he gets here. Doesn't matter to him, but it's painful for us for how long it takes. One of the things I used to beat on myself was why is it taking me so long to heal? Why is it taking me so long to believe? And I would just beat on myself for that. No patience with myself whatsoever. And he even helped me with that. He gave me a word, which I went and looked up to see if it was a real thing. <laughs> it's called microsurgery. It's really a thing, a very long involved medical process to heal a really raggedly, dirty, awful, nasty wound. And he drew that picture for me. It's like, some things just take longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just the grace and, and believing the grace. And then he unpacked the grace of God for me in a way, because grace was, you know, God's riches at Christ's expense. You know, you hear all these acronyms and God's this, and, and it wasn't real. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those religious words. Mm-hmm. You know, and even titles for the Holy Spirit, they were just titles until he was able to reveal to my heart that these aren't, these aren't like my name. These are my characteristics. My characteristics. This is my I, heart. I am the comforter mm-hmm. yeah. because I am full of comfort. Yeah. I didn't get that. I'm the helper because I want to help you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so many people paint a negative picture of the 23rd of, of shepherds and sheep. And I don't want to be a sheep because sheep are dumb and mm. all of that. And I'm doing a devotional on version app right now. I have a friend I do that with, and we're doing one on the 23rd Psalm, which is just blessing me to no end right now. Cause that was one of the Psalms that I both loved and I struggled, struggled with because with. it had mm-hmm. harshness in it. Mm-hmm. Because in the King James, I was all about the King James because no other thing was the real one, which is another lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it says, and the King James says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I was raised with you need to not want things. Wanting mm-hmm. is bad. So you shall not want. So the Lord is your shepherd and you better not want anything. Mm-hmm. That is not what that says. Mm-hmm. That's the Lord is my shepherd. You will lack for nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. will lack for nothing. Very different. You know, and, and my rod and my staff will comfort you. A rod and a staff to me was, it's what you're going to beat you over the Punishment. head with. Mm-hmm. How is this going to comfort me? Mm-hmm. No, the rod is like, here, don't go over by the edge of the cliff here. And the right. staff, oh, I'll pull you back from over here so you don't fall and hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. The love of God is freaking amazing. And that's mm-hmm. why I call myself that lady on the internet who loves you. So I can tell people you are loved. You are beloved of God. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I love that you, you know, as you've been talking, you've just rattled off some scriptures that are really important to you on this journey, because I know that you are at a place of victory. You are at a place of thriving. I celebrate that. And if you're anything like me, it is a continual process. I love when I, when I um, study uh, like the original words or something, I'm always excited when I see that the original word is like a prolonged pro- form of the primary, you know, cause I'm just like, okay, so it's like the doing and the keep on doing. So there's, there's the victory and the victorine, you know, I mean, that's how I describe <laughs> it in my life. There's the transformation and the transforming. And, and so this is an ongoing uh, journey for most of us, I believe. And I think that's probably true for you as well, Danielle, but I'm wondering, you mentioned a couple of scriptures. Is there a, another, is there a favorite one of many favorites maybe that comes to mind for you 
uh, as you continue to to seek and live in victory? Well, probably my favorite, because I was asked this once before, and I already mentioned it was in First John, I believe it's yeah. 410, you know, here in his love, not that we love God, but that God loved us. Yeah. God loved us first. Yeah. We yeah. love because he loved us first. Actually, those are two different scriptures. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we love him because he first loved us. Yeah. And, and you know what? And I think that I, I, I love that. Thank you. And I think it's so uh, important to remember, at least this is one of the things the Holy Spirit reminds me of is like, um, you, you get to choose whether you receive my love. You do not get to choose whether I love you. I love right. you. And, and, and you just, that's, it's non-negotiable. It doesn't have anything to do with your response to it. It just is. And that's like heavy in the best way to me mm-hmm. on my heart. Yeah. It's like a covering. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah and that. people who have had struggled with receiving love from anywhere will struggle to receive the love of God. I definitely people who have. have I need that reminder. Struggle to yes. look at God as a father because right. they see yeah. yeah, my father died. So to mm-hmm. me, he abandoned me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like, God's going to abandon me too. He already abandoned me at church. So it's yeah. like, right. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the layers, but he will, the Holy spirit will come alongside and just walk us out. You know, I, I had shared an article in a magazine for um, first responders. I talk about, you know, all you need to do to start this with God is just say, God help. Yeah. It's not fancy, but God doesn't need fancy. What he needs is real. Yeah. Oh, is I it real? That. Do you really want him to help? All you got to say is God help me. And if your heart is like, yeah, God, I really need your freaking help or I'm going to die kind of thing. He knows the truth in there and he will come running like, you know, the prod, the, the father, the prodigal son, even that, I mean, all those scriptures, all those stories we've heard for years, I have heard, I dare say every single one of them in a negative light that God was bad in some way, but that's just the enemy twisting it. You know, he did that from the beginning, you know, that, you know, God knows that if you do this, you'll be like God. Well, they were already like God. He had made them a little lower than himself in Psalms. It says we're created a little lower than Elohim, Mm -hmm. a little lower than God himself. We were already like God. So he tells us, you know, he lies. He twists things. Yeah, he absolutely He's good at it. And he finds the father. Exactly. (laughs) And he finds what hurts and he just jumps up and down on it because that's Mm -hmm. the place where we will, uh, where we will believe the lie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why love is so important. Why we, why God desires and needs us to love one another, because that's what gets through to other people. When we see it demonstrated, especially in the hard places, we go, wow, how'd you like do that? (laughs) It's shocking. And they see this, they see this love when, when you love someone after they've done something horrible, when you forgive someone after they've done something horrible. I mean, the, the release from bondage that takes place when love heals is just so extraordinary. It, it is just miraculous. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. This has been so fantastic. I've been just so blessed by this conversation. I'm, I've been uncomfortable a few times because I feel like you're speaking a language I didn't know other people spoke. So, um, but I, but I thank you for that because it just continues to remind me that it is a lie. Even the lie, you'll never belong anywhere. Even in our pain, we find belonging when we share it for the glory, trusting that everything is worked together, right, for our good mm-hmm. in His glory. And um, there's such 
there's such hope in the fact that we're not alone in our struggle. And so I just really yeah. appreciate you uh, personally, but also for sharing that with those who are listening right now. Uh, before I let you go, I always ask this of my guests before we sign off. And that is, I love to share resources in this journey that you're on. Is there anything at all right now that you are, you mentioned something on you version that the app there on uh, Psalm, the devotion on Psalm 23. Is there anything else that you are reading, listening to watching that is helping you uh, receive the love of God and keeping you connected to him right now? Well, I had two things. This isn't about the love of God, but it's a book I'm reading. Your mental cleaning up your mental mess by Dr. Caroline Leaf, helping me to do what's called mind management. It's fantastic. It's not an easy read, but it's a transforming read. And then I have this, uh, I Hear His Whisper, a 365 day devotional. And the scriptures in them are the Passion Translation. Oh, I love I discovered the Passion, the Passion translation, yeah, translation. And anyone who struggles with the love of God, I would, I would yeah. beg you to whatever scripture you have struggled with, mm -hmm. go to Google, mm -hmm. type it in and put capital T, capital P, capital T after it and read it in the Passion Translation. And I would be willing to bet you will see it through new eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I love the Passion Translation as well. I highly recommend it as well. So Danielle can be found at daniellebernock.com and she has multiple books and resources. Um, I know she mentioned one free resource as we were talking. And so I really encourage you to check out that you will be able to find that link and other places to find and follow her in today's show notes. And again, Danielle, we just thank you so much for serving us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a delight. I love sharing the love of God because it will change our lives. It absolutely will. And thank you, friend, for listening. Until next time, peace. Thank you, Danielle, for your willingness to share about how some of the things in our childhood that we've tried to dismiss or that others have encouraged us to dismiss can be fertile ground for the lies of the enemy if we're not aware of how they're still shaping our decisions. Friend, I don't know how loved you felt as a child or how loved you feel now by the people in your life, but I do know no matter what they've said or done ever has no bearing on the acceptance you have in a relationship with Jesus. Hear our verse again today, this time from the Passion Translation. And all who come to me, I will embrace and will never turn them away. Next week, my ministry friend Lee McKenzie will be my guest on the podcast. Lee was my guest all the way back in episode number five, when I knew even less than I do now about podcasting. She talked to us then about overcoming anxiety and depression, and she'll be with us again to talk about her new project, She Seems So Normal. And even before the episode with Lee drops next week, I have a fiction-focused bonus episode for you on Friday. Lisa, Maria, and I will be joined by USA Today bestselling author Lauren K. Denton. We chat about her book, The One You're With, that we chose for the fall edition of the Steady On Virtual Book Club. Lauren was an absolute delight, and I know you'll love hearing some of the things we learned in Mac and Edie's story as they dealt with a surprise visit from Mac's daughter he never knew he had. If you haven't yet, I'd be so grateful if you would follow the podcast on whatever directory you're using to listen. It only takes a second and it guarantees you'll see new episodes as soon as they drop. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.